Listeners and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the show where we rewatch podcast, and we're uh, the podcast where we rewatch the show Stargate SG One, uh, and we're up to season two, episode four, the Gamekeeper. Uh, no, I, I was I, I thought I was maybe gonna try to do a Dwight Schultz in this episode impression to open this podcast, but I don't think I have it in me. It's it's too weird. <laughs> you would All have right. to commit to an accent. Any oh, accent. Oh yeah, that would be yeah. <laughs> Every accent one might say. Welcome to. Ch-. No, I don't even know how to do it. He, he's just such a, a unique consummate actor. That guy that he can just pull it out. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> all right, joining me today, we have Jimmy Dean. Hello. And we have M. Hello. All right. Uh, yeah, this is the Gamekeeper. It's the, like the, in that little block of three, uh, planets of the week. This is the second one where, like, we, we've discussed it a little bit in, in our group chat where it's like a, a self-contained episode that doesn't, like, do anything plot-wise, but, also establishes a few like lore things in, in its background that are like kind of relevant and interesting. But besides that, it's just a fun episode with a really something acting from a guest star in this one. <laughs> um, all right, let's just get into it. Uh, we have, we start like, we have the, the only scene that's actually on earth in this episode at the start of this, uh, of this episode, uh, is them in the gate room. SG-1 with Hammond, like, looking at footage from a planet, which is uh, footage from a, a greenhouse that's in a park in Vancouver. It's apparently in Queen Elizabeth Park in Vancouver. If you were wondering the location where all of that was shot, it's over there. Uh, so they, is there, they, like, a bare minimum of that amount that they have to have Hammond in an episode if he's going to be in one? Yeah. Because I don't understand why this scene is here. Yeah, so no, right? Most other Planet of the Week movies at this point are just starting with them coming through the gate. Yeah, it's, uh, this scene is, it's, uh, like, they look at the footage and they say it looks nice over there let's go there and like that that's that's all we get like there's it doesn't this doesn't impact anything for the rest of this episode except i guess remind us that general hammond exists so that later when is the fake general hammond we remember this character i guess but it's i don't i don't know I yeah guess, the, i guess it is like season two and it's like oh yeah we probably we, we, we're still probably going to get a Beyond boarding people at this point. Right. So. Yes, exactly. Especially for a Planet of the Week episode where, like, established, yeah, we're from Earth and we go through the Stargate to this other planet and here's how we do that. And, like, this I, is all, it takes, it I, takes a, 30 seconds and then, like, they're, they're through the gate, basically. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge yeah? fan of this, like, holdover from contracts of actors having to be in, uh, an episode in some capacity. For example, yeah. I'm in a watch group that's going through Gotham. And in its third mm-hmm. season, contractually, I believe, Aaron Richards has to be in every episode. So frequently, okay. you will have a character like, I, uh, this is a problem. We don't understand it. 
they'll just go to her character who is always dressed mm-hmm. fantastically and drinking a martini. She will give them huh? the answer through exposition and they'll leave. It is how she frequently <laughs> shows up in the show now. Uh. That's great. Uh, But yeah, there's been actual, uh, there's been a couple or maybe just one episode where Hammond doesn't show up at all so far. Uh, I think like in Emancipation, that episode takes place entirely on that Mongol planet. I don't know if they're off the top of my head if he doesn't appear in any other episode in season one. But anyway, he's in this one and like the actor would have shown up anyway to to, to play the the keeper pretending to be him later later on anyway. so it's not like this, that's even consider consideration. They just, I guess, they were thirty seconds short, and it was like let's let's shoot an establishing scene for the cold open before we end up on this planet for the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> um, so they step out, and they're in a nice botanical garden f- filled with nice flowers and everything. Uh, and like uh, they say, wow, this is really pretty here. But Jack has to be like the Debbie Downer of, of the group and like uh, just be pessimistic and say wherever there's flowers, there's snakes uh, there's a garden, there's snakes anyway and, and then Daniel says and flowers and then he sneezes to remind us that he has allergies uh, which is, you know, they don't do that that often but that that, that little character detail from the movie. Allergies that Allergies are up there with his wife for things that <laughs> the show may or may not remember at any given moment. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's like, it's not even relevant for this episode. It's just a gag, but it's it's a little attention to detail, I guess. Um, so they step through these automatic doors with a, like a tornado kind of design on it in the middle of the doors as it opens, which is going to be relevant. Like, that's the symbol of this planet in general. And also of the virtual reality that they're about to be trapped in. And it's like the, the keeper's sigil or something, but it's also like, it's, it's also the symbol that's on the Stargate for this planet. So presumably this is just. I mean, the SDC uses their point of origin. Right. Think, too, so. Right. That's, that is true. They would, they would have just adopted it. Like, so th- this does imply that this planet figured out how the Stargate works since they know which which of those symbols is the point of origin, uh, doesn't come up at all. Like, none of the people from this planet are even implied to have ever left it. But, uh, but yeah, that's just a, that's just a, a nice background detail, which is, you know, also relevant when we learn later that uh, these people think that their planet is a blasted hellscape because of their, uh, of their, like, the chemical spill that happened there and made... Their planet uninhabitable, like thousands of years ago. Um, so you know, if they knew how the Stargate worked, presumably they could have just left to another planet instead of going into these virtual reality pods. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just a, a conceit, a conceit that stretches credibility a little bit when you start thinking about it, uh, which you shouldn't because it's a silly episode. Um, so they entered this greenhouse place kind of place. Uh, and they find these, uh, people strapped down in some, in some really HR Giger looking, uh, chairs. Like, and these people yeah, are. Yeah, these are, these are very horny VR oh, pods. Yes. Oh, yeah. These, these, the, the bondage pods. Yeah. <laughs> is what they're strapped down into, uh, covered in like metal tentacles and, uh, black veils and these two like prongs that are just, uh, drilled into their temples. Um, by the way, we're still like a year before the Matrix even came out, so it's like it's it's not even like an intentional visual r- reference to that. It's just that they get, they 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 also went for creepy uh, metal squid things for their technology in this episode. Like uh, just just a coincidence, well, we'll I guess. We'll talk about it later, but Jimmy Dean and I both identified where this ep- 
where this episode's influence came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very true. Um, so, yeah, they look around, they, they find these people that are tied down to these chairs, and then, like, they, they walk in front of four suspiciously, suspiciously well-lined-up uh, empty ones of these chairs uh, that are really conveniently placed right right next to next to each other, <laughs> uh, which uh, SG One is just gonna hang out right in front of while they look around at the plants and stuff. Um, and then, like Carter kind of looks at them and says, "Wow, this is some really advanced science." Something uh, she 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 says just by staring at it, even though she doesn't know what it's even for right now. Uh, but what it's for makes itself clear pretty quickly as like. Evil tentacles shoot out of the chairs and grab each member of SG1 to, to like tie them down into these chairs and make escape impossible. <laughs> Which I must remind you, these chairs are supposed to be like, uh, consensual, like VR games that people go in because they want to and are free to escape anytime they want. But these things just like grab them and restrain them in there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it too much, I guess. Um, I do like at the end of this bit, right before we cut to the opening, mm-hmm. we get a pan over all of their faces yep. as they're going into it. Like Jack is angry and trying to fight back as it gets him. Mm-hmm. Daniel just immediately slumps over. Uh-huh. Carter looks confused, and Tilk yep. just Tilk is just completely stoic. And uh-huh. that's a good bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very uh, uh, very one shot uh, character description right there. So uh, yeah, they've been. Trapped by the Matrix, I guess, because most of the rest of the episode now is going to be a fake virtual simulation that is going on inside these machines. Um, so uh, we wake up after the opening credits, and it's just Jack and Teal'c uh, dressed up in generic military-looking outfits, uh, wearing black beanie hats, uh, tukes, I, I, I should say, as a Canadian once again, uh, and in some kind of generic-looking uh farm like farmstead place thing in the in the woods clearly the vancouver forest and and some kind of like building that is there and it's surrounding fencing and stuff uh that's where they are but we're, we're gonna know from uh from exposition in a bit that this is east germany in 1982 because it's a it's a black ops mission that i guess o'neill was on uh, in the 80s, uh, he was supposed to, he's gonna, he's gonna explain it later, uh, but the mission was, uh, to get, like, a Russian agent that was being watched by, I guess, KGB agents in, in that house, and they were there illegally and had to get this guy out, and, like, the mission didn't work out, uh, and one of the guys there died. What? Um, but, like, speaking, speak, one of the things I yeah? wish this episode had attempted uh, to really like trick mm-hmm. you, the audience, was if they had applied some kind, mm-hmm. some type of visual filter over these scenarios. <laughs> like if this was set in oh, the yeah. '80s, I wish they had made the film look like it was filmed in the '80s. Oh yeah, that w- that would have been great. Put it in four by three and like make it real grainy yeah. and like 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 a cheap tape. Uh, maybe put a mullet on Richard Dean Anderson, which was <laughs> the 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 other idea you had, which which would have been to play off uh, like past TV shows that these people were in, which we were then, we then pointed out that like none of the cast of this show except Richard Dean Anderson was really famous before this. I guess Donna's Davis had Twin Peaks and was also on MacGyver, but besides that, it was pretty much everyone was nobody just nobody who was in the nobody who was in the VR pods had any right had any. Real big roles before. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So, like Christopher Judge's biggest thing before this was his one episode in MacGyver. Yeah, that's that's and that's where he met Richard Dean Anderson, and that's that's what got him his foot in the door to be on Stargate. Uh, ironically enough, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so a, a truck come uh, parks behind them, and then two people come out, and one of them is a guy we've never seen before. Oh, actually, actually three people because there's also a nameless extra guy who's there too because uh, Kowalski is there so that's the other guy uh, who's you know he's been dead for a year now so you wouldn't expect him to be there or, or anything uh, and then this other guy comes out and he's their commanding officer because he's major something I forget they say his name Co- so- sorry Colonel John Michaels is is this guy's name uh, and he starts talking and O'Neill is like creeped out and says hey you're both supposed to be dead right now and like these guys kind of like, you know, if we know that it's a VR simulation and it's not like realistic in any way, uh, so that that kind of excuses these people like, kind of, kind of no selling what with the fact that he just said they should be dead, uh, but they're gonna like he's gonna insist more later and it's gonna be more of a more, more of an issue. Um, uh, so yeah, they they t- so. Uh, he, the O'Neill says, uh, the, this, this guy, Captain, uh, Colonel Michaels, John, uh, he's just gonna go by John mostly. Uh, this is the mission where he died, uh, and that, that, that's about to start. Uh, so, like, O'Neill's like explaining this, and, hey, this, this is something that, 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 that I was on, like, 16 years ago, and it didn't go well, and we're about to do the same mission again, and it's gonna go badly again. That's, this is bad. Um, and now he's like, uh, O'Neill is like confused and trying to talk about it and everything. And John is g- getting in his face and saying, Hey, uh, we're here on a mission. You have to, to follow my orders and stuff. And O'Neill is like, No, I can't do that because that's, you know, you died here and this is too weird and this isn't really happening. Um, <laughs> like, uh, Jack briefly says he's either dreaming or hallucinating, which I guess is a, like a hypothesis that he you would have at this point is that this is all a dream somehow uh but then like john just punches him in the face uh to try to make his point that this is real um uh, and then, like, uh, O'Neill is like, all right, then, uh, here's, he's, uh, he, here's another question then, if this is real, who is this guy who's with me pointing to Teal'c and everything? And like, John says, yeah, he's been, no, sorry, before, before the, an explanation, uh, O'Neill just like yanks the, the, the Duke off of Teal'c's head and he has a magnificent wig on. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a really good, like, he, he, it looks like white guy hair that he has on, like that wig and like 80s styled, I guess. It's, it's, it's something to see. Uh, a, a really good unexpected wig on Teal'c. Uh, <laughs> at, at this, I like the fact that they have like so thoroughly grasped that it's really great whenever Tuke has something on his head that they doubled up. Yep, exactly. They they, they put a Tuke on him, which is you know pretty normal as far as hats go. We've seen him have one of those before, but then like surprise reveal, also hair. <laughs> it's, uh, it's at this point that uh, O'Neill even considering that this is wacky time travel should go out uh, the yeah. window. Like that's not no. possible at this point. Right. It would be a, a time machine that somehow puts in memories of Teal in the, the heads of their friends uh, and also grows him a head of hair and changes their clothes and everything. It's, it, it's, it's See, a I big stretch. I was under the assumption that, cause like 
he, Tilk has a when he says that Tilk's been on the team for longer, he has a name. Yeah. Yeah, he says Thomas. So it's like, I just kind of assumed that Tilk just overrode a person from the memories. Yeah, I guess. There wasn't one more guy. Yeah, but Jack doesn't mention that guy, so presumably there yeah. was no Thomas. This is just like the the keeper riding in like a, like an extra role, like a Gary Stew to insert into the scenario, because like, whatever, we're, write, we're rewriting history anyway, who cares? Um, even though, anyway, we'll see. Um so yeah, uh, no, none of this convinces John or Kowalski. Uh, so they, they keep talking amongst amongst each other, and I, I guess like going into NPC idle mode in this video game because they just stand there while the protagonists decide what they're gonna do. Uh, there, there, there's a fun bit where Teal still wigged uh, <laughs> looks at himself, his reflection in a window on the nearby house, and you can clearly see him like kind of stop dead in his tracks when he catches sight of his hair. <laughs> it's some pretty funny background physical acting. Um, and then, like, yeah, th- then he goes back to talk to O'Neill, and that this is when they come up with their theory that they were put in a time, mach- time machine somehow that that sent them back in time to. Let them, I guess, fix their fix Jack's history and maybe save these people and like succeed in his mission, uh, <laughs> which you know uh, we'll talk more about about it later. That this is the scenario that the keeper chose uh, to pick out of Jack's head uh, for 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 him to replay over and over again. Um, but yeah, the 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 theory is that some kind of force is offering them a chance to fix their history, and they should take this chance and like play along with it. I guess for now. Um, and Teal says, "Yeah, I've heard of Gould like thinking about time travel, so it's possible that maybe there is an actual time machine out there somewhere. I guess because uh, it's a concept I've been, I've been." I've thought about before, so I guess it's possible, even though this isn't what it is. The, um, the shaky, the shakiest logic of well, the oh, Gould yeah. thought about it. They've been thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, and like this, this you know, the team has been split between the brains on one side and the brawn on this on this side. So they don't have any experts on this side who can tell them, "Yeah, this is probably like a simulation." And also, like it's like I said, it's a year before the Matrix came out, so the idea of that wasn't in the pop culture or whatever they brought with them at this point. I mean, VR was this was like the first big VR boom, right? Still, yeah. Like this is this is VR Troopers. This is uh-huh. Second Doc Ock, which was a VR themed person for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. There, there was the one X Files episode. I don't know if it's more recent than this or not because it's about contemporary, uh, where they like the famous like shootout in I think in a Western village thing and like Mulder and Scully are just in a VR game. Anyway, it's weird. I, I there, vaguely there remember are two- that. There's two X-File episodes that are kind of akin to this. You're thinking of the one okay. where they have to go kill uh, an, like a mega NPC of a video game that's mm-hmm. taken over. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one, though, where Scully and Mulder get brought, like, they sink down into, like, mm-hmm. the ground that's been infected by mm-hmm. a type of fungus that just mm-hmm. brings them into a hallucinated state that they share. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the hard the, the hard sci-fi of, uh, of of TV in the 90s uh that we're all familiar with. Um So yeah, no. Uh, so Jack and Teal decide to just go play along with it and do the mission now. 
So that's what they do. Uh, they have this, this whole uh, tactical approach to this, I guess, farmhouse that's on a pretty big estate. Um, so they're like standing outside the gates and hiding, hiding themselves be, be behind some columns. And, like uh, Jack immediately goes, "Hey, wait! I remember how this went wrong when it happened for real. So uh, here's how we can fix that." Uh, just to take a look over on the roof. There's a sniper. You, you're not expecting to be there. So you should take him out before we do anything else. And like, maybe the mission can go, can go well after that. So they do that. Uh, Major jo- Colonel John, uh, pulls out a pair of binoculars, look, looks at on the roof, sees this sniper. Uh, then he calls the other nameless guy over, uh, to like snipe this guy on the roof using his shoulder as, uh, like as like a prop for, for his sniper gun, um, uh, and I like how very careful and tactical this part is, and immediately goes out the window oh, yeah. after they get the one. Sniper. Yeah, I, I, after after that guy is taken care of, they they go back to trusting their satellite data they have, I guess, and that this place is almost completely unguarded, which is like the what what their intel said. Um, so they just like. I guess now they they do crawl around and stuff and take cover. It's not like they're completely running into the open. Uh, but oh yeah, no, they, they jump the walls and start uh, and start running. Like uh, Colonel John yeah. puts a, a gas mask on for some reason because I guess oh yeah, they shoot like they, they, they shot gas into the building. Yeah, they shoot smoke bombs into the building to cover the the, the kidnapping of this guy that they want to take. Um, and then like he runs out into the open field and like. Three three KGB guys just pop out from behind a, a, a hedge that's that's right in, next to the house and gun him down with AK forty sevens. Like these these guys so came out of nowhere. Do you think that they were actually there in the, when this really really happened, or was it just the one sniper that made the mission no, go bad I, and these were insulted by the game by the gamekeeper? Yeah, I think this is like the AI director decided to put more guys in because the good guys are winning too much right now. Uh, uh, and like, yeah, they just spawn these guys like a monster closet in a video game, and they pop out and poof, they just shoot that colonel guy dead. Uh, I, I don't know. My last experience with with Soviet soldiers is that was that Slider's episode, and they can pop out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is all based on O'Neill's brain, so like, we know that when this really happened, it was just the one sniper on the roof that probably shot Colonel John something, John Michaels. Uh, and then, like, they immediately, like, called off the mission after that and, and, and ran off. Presumably, that's how that happened. Uh, but, like, yeah, the, now they just, like, there, there, there was just the, these other guys just out of sight behind the hedges that you never saw. But let's pretend they were there because we need you to lose and, like, loop over for entertainment because this is, uh, this is the keeper creating content to, uh, entertain his people. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, that's what this episode is about. Uh, I like we get we get a tearful farewell where uh, Jack grabs uh, John and like takes the gas mask off and like he gets oh, take care of Barbara from for me which is presumably this guy's wife. Uh, I mean, I can imagine that then, this yeah. is just a level like you consistently fail over and over again. I've played a lot of Rainbow yeah. Six uh, New Vegas. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, familiar yeah. with the concept. <laughs> Yes, right. Uh, we've all had, we've all played action games where there's the one checkpoint that you keep dying and, and like starting over. This is exactly that concept right there. Uh, except, you know, it, it predates modern video gaming because this was, uh, N64 days when this aired. Uh, but you know, um, 
So yeah, they they run off and like it, it's pretty well made because you see Tilk and, and O'Neill run off and the the other guy I think it's yeah, Kowalski is running right behind them, but he's like far in the distance and they, they run up and like jump over a, a low wall and sit down at the bottom of it. And then like as soon as the camera is focused on them, like we don't see Kowalski come over with them and they just go, Wait, where is he? Uh, and then like if, like the camera just whips around and we see the truck come in from the other side where it was before and out pop Kowalski and Colonel John and like this, the simulation has just rebooted now. They're starting over from the start because they failed. So reload checkpoint, try again. Uh, this is, yeah, this is what happens. It's a, it's a pretty well made cause I clearly like it. It's, it's like all one shot from them running in the field over to the, the truck arriving. So, uh, good, good TV directing right there. Um, so yeah, after, after this bit of confusion, uh, we flash over to Carter and Daniel, who are wearing uh, some nice, I, I guess, 70s clothing. Like, Daniel is wearing, like, well, like a little hoodie with, with a pouch in the, uh, on the belly and uh, cords and, and a hood I on it. I think what Daniel's wearing is actually supposed to look like something a little yeah. kid would wear, but scaled up to his adult body. Yeah, that's believable. It's, like, it's, it's the sweater that he was actually wearing on that day when his parents died when he was a kid, but blown up to adult size and Carter is just wearing a, a very nice outfit with a, a jacket and like a, a dress or a skirt or whatever so uh, they, they look like I guess 1970s academics that would be in the Museum of Art uh, also there's we see that door right behind them that has that that tornado uh, pattern that, that tornado symbol on it which is you know remember that for later uh, this is the, the game's exit they could just walk out that door right now and come out of it um so, but yeah, they're they're in the New York Museum of Art. So, like this episode is where I guess it's established what the what I've been assuming is that Daniel is from New York. Uh, this is like I was thinking of this part when I said that I think like a while ago. Uh, I mean, this doesn't necessarily confirm that. This means that his parents no for yeah doing it. Thing in New York, it's like archaeologists. You would go to whatever museums want to take. Yes, you you're correct. It's just that we don't get any other information, so you know, uh, Occam's razor just just picking the the simplest explanation for it, I guess. Um, so yeah, they walk around a bit, and then like this this museum guide uh, comes up to uh, to talk to them and to tell them that they can't be here. Um, and like uh, Daniel just like kind of waves her aside, and she gives up and like walks past them. Which once again, that's not a thing. If she was a real person, she would be like, "No, listen, you can't be here." But this, since this is a video game, uh, it's like okay, let let the protagonist through to 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 proceed with the scenario, I guess. Uh, so we, Fr- frankly, his parents are asking. His parents are asking for what's about to come. Yeah, through. this is like I, I mean, yeah. so not safe. So yeah, we see Daniel's parents uh, as of the seventies, uh, who are of course, since they're his parents on TV, they both wear glasses. They're both Egyptologists. Uh, <laughs> um, they work in the museum, and they seem right now to be overseeing the installation of a display of like some kind of Egyptian temple that you know. You know how it is. They took from Egypt and put it in a museum in the in the U.S. Uh, it seems to be like yeah, they, yeah. I, they. I I've played GoldenEye. I'm familiar with the concept. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so they took uh, this temple and like apparently took took it apart stone by stone and shipped it over to this museum uh, because the, these these must be real stones because that thing is gonna drop on them and kill them. So it's not 
just styrofoam or, or plywood or, or reconstruction or whatever. This is the real stuff. Uh, so they're standing right inside of this thing while a crane is like depositing the ceiling of this thing on top of it, like on top of some columns that are just freestanding there. It, see, it looks unsafe enough to begin with, and they're standing directly underneath this big slab of rock as they're like signaling the, the crew to, to put it together, uh, to try to get it just right for their, for their display. So. Yeah, so they, they, they just play, and Daniel is just staring there because he knows exactly what's hap- what happens there. Uh, it tries to, he starts yelling, no, 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 come out of there. And they, like, a, sh- a chain snaps, uh, of, off of this huge stone slab and it collapses the whole temple on top of him. And this is how Daniel's parents died, we learn, uh, in this episode. And he was right there and, and saw it happen. And now, like, the, the, key- and they're, they're trying to, they, they try to make this be very serious and dramatic, but also, this is, like, the most Looney Tunes aspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They pre- basically got a piano dropped on their heads. Um, uh, yeah, also, like, a, a small uh, small detail is that the actor who plays Daniel's dad in this is the same actor who is later going to play the gold Seth on the show. So uh, the fans love to make up theories about how Daniel's dad didn't die there and he was taken as a host by this gould uh, and whatever. Uh, but, you know, none of this is supported by the text in any way. It's just the same actor they reused. Uh, since none of this is actually mentioned, it's just a, a fun bit of trivia that people have fun with. Um, yeah, so his parents die. Uh, we don't see it loop uh, right away, but can't yeah. imagine. Did Daniel declare declare vengeance on the concept of ancient Egypt for killing no, his parents? No, right. It's, it's, he decided, you know what I'm going to do now is... I, I mean, yeah, you could read it as, I'm going to prove that aliens made Egypt so that these fucking Egyptians who killed my parents, like, Get a lesson from me, a white archaeologist. Wow, that's 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 a direction to go in. Uh, but no, yeah, as, as it happens on TV, Daniel not only took up his parents' job and like life's work and like continued and became an expert on Egypt, he also took their glasses and general look and stuff because it's a real uh, Van Houten situations where both of his parents look exactly like him. Um, all right, we flash back to East Germany now, uh, where, where they're once again tactically approaching this farmhouse. Um, <clears throat> and like, uh, O'Neill is just kind of ranting at Teal that everything is, is happening exactly the same. And like, uh, Teal is starting to say, yeah, we should like try something, some other way to do it, to, to win. And like, Jack is, is starting to say, yeah, but like, the, the, the thing that happened last time was bullshit. I don't know why that happened. Uh, and like, who knows if we, if it's even possible to do anything to win. Um, cause I guess there's, they still think they're in the past, even though they, they would now be in, in the past and also in a time loop that they don't even perceive because it just like seamlessly loops back to the start of the memory. Um, so yeah, they they decide to keep playing along for now. We see a shot of once again uh, taking out the sniper on the roof. They they replay exactly the same footage as, as before with them like uh, throwing that s- those smoke grenades in the in the house and like uh, approaching the house and everything. Uh, and then when when uh, sorry uh, when Colonel John pulls out his gas mask to put it on, uh, Jack tries to tell him to to hey 
watch the hedges because you know maybe there's some guys hiding there uh and then like when he when he looks back the other like the, the colonel says no 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 we don't do that that's not the plan uh then when jack looks again towards i guess towards the house there's a bunch of creepy people wearing clo- cloaks that covered them completely uh just looking at them um ah, yes they find a Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> yeah, it's the Genova's <laughs> reunion uh, is is happening right well, there right now. I, I meant the, the the ghosts in that game oh, getting yeah. away with try to differ from the the, the canon ghosts that are upset because yeah. because they've changed the yeah, story. That's absolutely not who these people no. are, but that's definitely where my mind went when I first saw them. Yeah, the yeah these people are the audience. It turns out, but uh, yeah. So uh, Jack like sees them but doesn't say anything. So uh, after like him and Colonel John start uh, start going forward, he lo- he pulls him down to take cover behind a like a a, a a little chariot thing, and like he gets up and like just like th- th- unloads onto the, those hedges where the guys were before uh, to try to like uh, preempt that 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 ambush that they that they got got by. The, the last time. So after he does that, Colonel John starts running again, and now on the roof, four guys pop out of nowhere and gun him down, just like before. It's just... <laughs> it's like... It's like, th- those guys were definitely despondent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, it's completely bullshit. It's like, n- not only is, like, the game is literally cheating now. It's like, this is bullshit. Fix this game. This is, this is player hostile as hell right there you can't just change it except if you're some kind of indie game trying to make a point about this like you're the stanley parable or something i guess um <clears throat> and then yeah yeah so once again john is dead uh they replay exactly the same scene where where he tells jack to to take care of his wife uh and he goes yeah 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 basically i, th- I think they, they they got new shots of him of o'neill looking back at him because like now he's reacting going like fuck this happened again this is bullshit uh and then they run off and once again the truck spawns and like this this time uh when the truck spawns like teal and jack just like get up and point keep their guns po- guns pointed at pointed at them and stand up and go in front of them and um <laughs> o'neill straight up threatens john and like grabs his coat and like points his gun at him he's like starts kind of yelling at him and say and saying hey no answer me who are you and who are these creepy uh cloaked people that are standing right there that it really feels like in the fiction of how this episode works they shouldn't be visible at all because that seems like interfering with the scenario but you know whatever I mean, but like, I guess, like, because they're in this, they are in the simulation. If they want to see it, they actually have to go yeah, there. Yeah, I guess. I guess like this thing doesn't have a proper spectator mode built into it. You like, you can only be in the scene if you're actually in the scene. I don't know. Um, so, like, yeah, while while O'Neill is acti- is asking these questions, the keeper pops up from like the crowd around them and goes up and starts talking to them. So he's played by Dwight Schultz. Uh, you know him as Reginald Barkley from Star Trek, and also one of the guys on the A Team. Um, and yeah, he's like he he's a real something. He 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 sure acts a whole lot in this episode. Um, he, he, he is he, absolutely a Star Trek weirdo. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's. <laughs> Yeah, he was like Barkley was already kind of a weirdo, but in a different way. Like, because Barkley's thing was that he was kind of maybe autistic, and he like had trouble relating with people, and he became obsessed with the holodeck. And there's this one episode yeah, I, where I he mean, Star Trek weirdo is specifically the 
you go to a planet and there is one weird guy on it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. For the whole episode. Yeah, so for this, he's that weird guy on the planet. The, for sure, absolutely. Uh, and like, yeah, like, like, you've allu- like we've alluded to, he has a weird, like, high fantasy fruity accent and he talks like, hey, I'm the keeper and whatever. He's, he's just, he, he acts like, like a DM at a, at a tabletop game trying to, to have a, a fantasy accent to, to be entered entertaining and like be more sound more important than he is and whatever uh he's gonna be like this he he like he it's it's hard to describe how much overacting he's doing in this because he's giving it his all uh physically and vocally his his first (laughs) scene what i could hear was him attempting like a belgian accent but the longer oh wow okay the longer he spends in it he, he starts to descend and like morph into like high british uh and at that point yeah he, something like he that loses all sense of the accent and for the rest of the episode it's just <laughs> wavering between high class british aristocracy and german uh-huh. like whatever he's attempting yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah uh like, difficult to describe just, just european sounding don't worry about anything specific yeah, exactly. And they're in East Germany, I guess, so it fits. But he's we- he's also like wearing a fancy, like sparkly green robe and a big hat that goes all the way down uh, on the back of his head. Uh, he looks he looks like he's wearing <laughs> the uh, sacred like- outfit that the Stonekeepers wear in that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> yes, somewhere between that and a very bad attempt at like something from Imperial China. Uh-huh, yeah, something like yeah. There's definitely some Asian influence in there. Um, so yeah, they they ask him, "Who are you?" He says, "I'm the keeper. The keeper of what?" And like he's like he dodges the question and he says, "Of everything that you see around you, all that is, was, and might be, and whatever." Tries to sound mysterious, like he's a fucking host of an escape room right now, uh, which is like also the kind of accent that they might take to like make it seem more interesting. Um, and uh yeah so uh so he talks to them and he's like oh don't uh, aren't you enjoying this experience and like get to like play this scenario this fun game that i've prepared for you and like only it's like what the fuck are you talking about this was an operation where we failed and where my friend died and we had to run off and fail the mission uh he's like yeah and you've always wanted you've always told yourself you'd want to come back to this moment and do something different right well now's your chance which just indulge in a little bit of game studies for a second Uh, yeah go ahead so this is very bad game design on his part Uh uh-huh yeah for sure (laughs) you you should you gotta start with like a one one you gotta start with something that teaches you the struct this teaches you the game and how and how it's played yeah gets you to gets you invested in enjoying it you can't just immediately drop them into the worst trauma he knows for yeah. repeating endlessly. Like, and non-consensually also, like, he dragged them into this game, like, forcefully and without explaining well, that it's even a game to them. It's, he's just like, every, every single wrong thing you could do as a games master, that's what he does in this episode. And, like, he, he makes absolutely certain that these people hate him in this game and don't want to participate in it by doing all of that. Uh, how and, like, did he yeah. convince all of these other people to come, to come here? 
Yeah, I mean, because 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 all the people are sick of, I guess they've become bored because they don't have anything else. They 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 they've run out of all the ideas they have in there. So now now what they want to do is look at the newcomers and see what they do. If this guy if this guy has been in charge of your entire reality for a thousand years, I would (laughs) take the possibility of the poison planet. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's it's like being stuck in doing one Call of Duty campaign where you keep dying and respawning and. And and like it keeps like there's an AI director that just like makes bullshit spawn in front of you and it makes it more and more unfair. Like it's like it's bad. It's it's bad games. Like you would anyway uh, for for a million different reasons. I I know it's it's realistically a, a restriction of the budget of mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. but uh, it would have helped the episode if they had explored any other memories on top of the ones we're shown. Right. Because the idea that uh, we're bored, so we're just going to, like, loop these two scenes forever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe just, like, a bit more. Yeah. And <laughs> Show I, us that you're trying to go through other scenes. Right? And it's, you know, and, and they pick, like, granted, the, this scenario is at least action-based, so you you kind of get the, the kind of action game appeal of it. The other one is just, let's watch a kid look at his parents die over and over again, because I, I don't know... I guess art. Like this is the indie game part of it. This is like the the twelve minutes time loop thing where it always ends up badly. I mean, it, works have... for... it works for Batman. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is like the 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 the, the, the pe- Bruce Wayne's parents getting murdered over and over. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. And like the, these are like SG One is inter planetary space heroes, right? They've been in fights against the ghoul and stuff. There's, like, exciting shit they could pull from, at least. But no, they they, they take these, like, two depressing things that happen to them. Uh, and also, like, I'm, I'm very glad the Keeper didn't do this because it would be way more evil, but if he, like, looked inside O'Neill's brain and said, oh, yes, this one time in East Germany where you failed a mission, this is the one thing you wanted to do different in your past and you're trying to fix. Hey, how about the time that where his son died by accident with his gun? We, we dated one episode to reconcile with the movie's <laughs> weirdly dark backstory. They never uh-huh. need to touch it again. Right, exactly. But they, they're actually going to, like, mention it in, in passing in a, yeah, in a couple of scenes. Yeah, it comes up, but... Yeah. Like, it's not going to be a thing thing. Yeah, but that would be so fucking dark to just put Oni through that over and over again and like, wait, I'm running upstairs and making sure that the gun isn't there and oops, he found his second gun in the bathroom actually and shot himself with it. That would have been like, the, the gamekeeper would have become instantly uh, the, the, the most evil villain in all of Stargate yeah, that, if that's that what he did. A lot, that becomes a lot less... Star Trek weirdo, and that's just outright. That's just outright sadistic. Oh yeah, that's that's just this is that's just some psycho shit at that point. Um, I mean, we're considering the keeper, we're gonna learn is lying to all the people on this planet because his thing is he wants to just be able to garden the planet alone and not have all these people walking around it. Yeah, he has. He does have that psycho streak where clearly he hates everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm imagining this O'Neill torture sequence just titled Oops All Guns. Like if you open a cereal box, there's a new gun. Like just guns everywhere. <laughs> just opens the fridge and there's there's a KGB agent in there that just like pops out with a gun and shoots his shoots his son. God. <laughs> um 
so yeah, he's trying to yeah, that, that's it. O'Neill is just like getting it across to him that uh, you, you know, we've tried it three times so far and uh, twice so far and like some new bullshit popped up every time and you're clearly just like stringing us along and making sure that we can never win. So how about you get fucked and we're gonna, not going to play your game? Um, but like the keeper keep, keeps to his bit for now and manages to actually convince them to try it again because like, I guess he's not giving, budging on his, th- no, wait, no, he's not. O'Neill decides He's, they're just gonna set it out now because, uh, playing along with this guy is not, is not the way to win. Uh, and, uh, and the guy, like, sadistically goes like, well, you're gonna, you're gonna sit down behind that wall and not participate. I'm just gonna resume the simulation and let these guys walk, these guys walk in there and get gunned down while you sit here and do nothing, which is also some fucking psycho shit right there. Um, so yeah, uh, we're back in New York now. Uh, and now, like, Carter, uh, figures it out right now, right, right ahead, right, right away. Like, they, they've seen it happen once. It's just starting to loop again. And she's, and Carter's like, hey, what if we're in VR? Uh, uh, wait, hang on. She, she, she says, at first when we got here, okay, no, is she, no, yeah, she says she thought it there was time travel at first, but then she was like, "But if it was time travel, it doesn't make any fucking sense because why am I here? Why are you here? Or is there not a kid you here? Why do it? Why does everyone think you're a kid? So that would be weird." Um, so yeah, then she says, "So I think this is just a virtual reality thing. So it's some kind of game. Uh, don't worry too much about <laughs> it, mean, but also your parents are gonna is, die again." <laughs> this is uh, definitely like just a budget, and also actors need to be on the episode thing. Uh-huh. But it is weird that he isn't a kid. Yeah, right. If it's like made, if it it's made from your memory, it's made from your memories and imagination. You can imagine yourself as a kid, right? If like if 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 this was a real VR thing, there's no reason why Daniel wouldn't look like a kid to everyone, including himself. Um, the, yeah, that's a good point. Except you know, it's. It's too. It's too. Yeah, my, my, Michael Shanks is on contract. You need. He, he he needs to be in most of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, and it's to not confuse the audience. This. Yeah. They should have had Daniel Jackson be forced to do all the scenes on his knees. They should have forced <laughs> him to be as tall oh, as his child but, self. Yeah. Do do a Clifford is what you're saying here. This, yeah. this is what you, yeah. they should have done. Yeah, uh, that would have been good. Uh, it would have been silly as hell, but you know, uh, no. The 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 yeah. The the main reason is that so the, the the audience understands that this is Daniel and not some other kid who's like this is the real Daniel who's living through this. I guess. Uh, so this like so the the scenario starts again. Uh, it happens like last time, and Carter this time tries to tell him, "Hey, I don't think it matters what you do here. You should like we should focus on something else and try to not to pay attention to your parents dying." Uh, but Daniel, of course, is upset enough that he goes back and like look looks at it happen again, and then like this time he walks up to them and he starts talking to them, and uh, and while he's doing that, Carter turns around and spots the the, the creepy cloaked uh, audience that's look that's staring at them. Uh, and Daniel goes up to talk to them and tries to tell them, hey, you have to get out of here. Uh, I'm afraid it's dangerous. Come out. Uh, And then his parents just brush him off and say, hey, we're busy. Uh, How about you you get out of here, go play, and we'll we'll be with you later. Uh, 
and and then Daniel tries to like pretend that he hurt himself and that he needs his parents to take care of him. Uh, and his parents like look at him like they like a parents do when they look at a, at their kid when they know he's lying because they go like, no, just just go away. We'll be there in a second because you know uh, that's that's how you do. And then like the, the the chain snaps again and they die again. And Daniel is upset again. Um, uh yeah and then like daniel walks back towards sam and she goes hey so you remember what i was saying about this being a simulation what's with all these creepy folks around us uh and in yeah and and like uh, she, she 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 joins the dot after and like basically exposits that hey what if you were put here in a simulation of the the time your parents died because someone wants you to uh, deal with it, I guess, or like figure out a way to fix it, or I don't know, this is therapy of some kind. Um, and then like, while they're discussing that, they keep, like, though, sorry, the, the museum guide lady turns around and morphs into the keeper, cause she was him this whole time, I guess. Um, uh, in a, like he's very excited because he, he starts talking to them again and like giving him giving them his little speech and Daniel obviously very upset uh, goes up to, in front of him and says hey what the fuck are you talking about uh, and then uh, Daniel is not once again not buying not buying his uh, little spiel uh, like and the keeper introduces himself and Daniel once again asks the keeper of what and like th- this time the keeper answers the same thing he said before but he says it like real quick like he's re- just running through it like he's like annoyed that someone else has asked him this like a second time today and like dude you're the one who's like answering like it's a fucking riddle you could just tell him instead of like doing your little bullshit it's, it's, he's not the one imposing on you there <laughs> um, no, he has to do his whole game master. You must answer my question. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I am the keeper of all that was, will be, and might be, and whatever. Is it not wonderful? Now you get the chance. I bet. I beg your pardon. The chance. The chance to relive your momentous event. Try the plethora of variations that have been weighing on your mind to finally see if you can make a difference. Who are you? Why, I am the keeper, of course. The keeper of? The keeper of all that is, was, and will be in this place. And, like, he, he alludes to, like, uh, he, he says, he says, Daniel, haven't you always wished you could have changed things? And, like, Daniel said, yeah, I tried, and then they died again. Uh, and then, like, the keeper goes, like, well, if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun. And then Daniel just loses him, uh, loses it in his face. Uh, <laughs> he goes, like, you think this is fucking fun? You, you psychopath and whatever. Uh, and then the keeper does something really weird where he just, like, puts his hand almost on Daniel's shoulder, but not quite, and points with his fingers and kind of waves them. So, like, the, the hand motion is doing, I think, is actually resetting the simulation, but, like, it just comes off like a re- real weirdo move, and, like, Daniel just stares at his fingers for, while he's doing that. It's just, man, that acting. Uh, <laughs> it's at this point yeah, that I so, wanted Daniel Jackson to attack the Keeper. 
Yeah, to, to, to just punch him. It feels like O'Neill might have done that earlier, too, but unfortunately, he doesn't get punched once. Like, a lot of punching happens in this episode. You had, like, uh, Colonel John punching Jack earlier, and then, like, he's gonna punch Kowalski in a bit. Uh, deepfake Kowalski, I should say. We'll get there. Um, so yeah, the, the simulations reset, and Daniel decides, okay, I'm gonna try again now, I guess. Even though he was all, he was clearly very angry. Uh, just a second ago, and he w- he walks right up to his mom and starts talking to her and uh, tries to physically pull them away from there, uh, and and they 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 rest themselves free and you know feels like he he might try harder to pull them free from there, but I, maybe the simulation get, only gives him the strength of a child. I don't know, uh, but like his dad actually calls. Like a, a not a security, but one of the workers who's there to like hold him back while while they finish working, and then the thing collapses again, and Daniel is very upset. Um, then 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 yeah, he goes and grabs the keeper and like yells in his face to s- stop all of this. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a there's a there's a silly line where uh, like the keeper says you haven't explored all your options yet and Daniel says well obviously my my options are infinite and my solutions are zero <laughs> which is a real uh silly like ham-fisted line i guess uh but i i enjoy it a bunch uh then the keeper resets the thing once again and like this is this is when Daniel once like also on this side decides to stop playing and just sit down and let his parents die again, um, and and like the, the the keeper tries to egg him on and go like Are you really gonna let them die again? Are you really that much of a like a bastard that you let your parents die and whatever? Uh, uh, and then, like, uh, Daniel just, like, doesn't say anything, and that we just hear in the background that his parents die again, and then, like, you see the Keeper is very annoyed. Um, uh, so the P- Keeper is like, ah, oh, right, fine, y'all are boring, fuck you, and he just, like, presses some, some buttons on his wrist, and, and a weird teleporter effect happens, where, it, like, Tilk and O'Neill are just teleported here, but there's, like, this, this, it, it looks like the, 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 the tornado symbol, yeah. symbol, but it's like a, it's like, it's like a potato peel that's, like, kind of, like, uh, uh, un- spools and unspools and teleports them and y- you can see like in the in the gaps in, the, in this thing you can see the forest where they were before it's 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 kind of cool but it also looks really silly um so yeah they're, they're teleported there and now everyone is together and O'Neill gets in the keeper's face and points at him and goes like hey let us out of here um so they yeah, uh, they, they, so Carter starts telling them, yeah, we think this is a, sim- a VR simulation. And O'Neill basically goes like, yeah, we know. He's already explained it to us. Um, and like the keeper is like, so why, why are you so boring? Why don't you want to play my game? You're no fun, whatever. Um, like, uh, you refuse to enjoy the opportunities I give you. And like Jack is like, you think, enjoy the opportunity of seeing my friends die? And Daniel adds, or my parents died. Um. Uh, and like uh, the keeper get, goes, all right. Well, if you don't like these, how about you? You can go anywhere you can imagine or remember. Um. Um. And then, like, yeah, like, he says that, but we don't see. Again. You could have just started with those. You yeah, right. With all of the nicer st- memories st- instead st- of just immediately going to 
Looping traumas. Right. Start with a fun one. Like, we know canonically that Jack O'Neill is a Simpsons fan, which means when the machine looks in O'Neill's brain, it can see Springfield there. How about you just fucking put them in Springfield and have them run in and sit on the couch and do a gag? Like, they would have been into that. They would have thought it's weird, but at least they wouldn't be, like, immediately upset with the whole concept. <laughs> you know? Uh, do something like that. You know, just, just have fun. Use your imagination instead of, like, being this, like, like trauma obsessed, like auteur, like like you're a triple A prestige game developer, fucking Neil Druckmann over here, like obsessed with making a sad dad thing. Um, I, I guess I mean there's gonna be a dumb reveal that we'll get to, but mm-hmm. I guess if they were looking mm-hmm. for like fun scenes to watch, the keeper and the residents, they could have just yeah. redone former episodes. They have the sets, they yeah. have the actors. If you made <laughs> this O'Neill co- and the crew relive. Uh, like episodes from season one that could have been fun yeah this could have been a clip show like put, do it do a clip show in this conceit but have like insert like forrest gump the actors into like in between shots to have them like react differently to what they're seeing that could have been fun that might well it, it might have been too much work too much editing done for a clip show but yeah you know what it, it would have been fun even especially if like you you flash back to the clip showing them around the table with the senator. <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh, no, but this isn't this. Uh, this is. There's only like three set pieces that we even see in this episode, and we've already seen two of them and are done with them. So, um, uh, yeah. So the keeper is 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 trying to tell them, yeah, that. Uh, so. We've been stuck here for a thousand years because the planet is uninhabitable and we, we've run out of cool stuff we can come up with in our brain. So you came here and now we have all of your brains to pick clean. So that's going to be fun. Just, just stay here with us. Um, and like, uh, and like O'Neill is certainly not, not into that idea. He's like, I'm not going to just be a library for you to peruse. This is my life, whatever. Uh, and Daniel then like uh, makes an analogy that uh yeah that that's where he says if you were stuck on a deserted island with four mo- with just five movies for a thousand years it would get boring pretty fast so if you had new ones to watch that would be great um which you know <laughs> the desert island uh, VHS tapes everyone <laughs> if you, if you had to live on a desert island with five movies what would oh, what dude. Do we want to do this now or at the end of the episode when we usually, we we usually do our questions? Oh yeah, we we could do that. We have a couple of questions, but we we can we can we, we can sort this out then because that that's an easy uh, softball question to ask us. Yeah. It, it comes naturally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that that's the analogy they go with. Uh, uh, and then, like, Carter says, so you're using our brains as, as new libraries and whatever, and, like, the Keeper says, yeah, well, actually, only two of your brains. For some reason, I can't, I, I can't take Teal'c's or your memories, Samantha. Uh, and, like, they, they get it for Teal'c immediately, like, oh, because of the Jaffa thing, but, like, they don't understand right away why Carter is protected from this thing, and they, like, just theorize that it has something to do with her, uh, having been the host of Jolinar, which is, like, the introduction of, uh, well, it's not, it's not the first, like, implication of it, but it's this thing where when you've been a ghoul host, you have Nakoda in your blood after that, and that just makes you do whatever the plot wants to do. <laughs> in, in this case, it protects her against the VR bind reading thing. Sure, whatever, cause, cause it's a conven, convenient way to not have a third set in this episode. Uh, uh I, 
I did not consider that. And uh-huh. so I just was imagining the keeper was just misogynistic. Like he could not comprehend <laughs> the female experience. Oh yeah, it's that's your humors <laughs> from your uterus are preventing us from doing this. Yeah. Uh it's it's also a shame because like this might have been a nice way to tease Sam's dad, whom we're gonna meet in I think like four episodes, like pretty soon there, uh, five episodes maybe I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, like he he's gonna come up soon, so like they could have introduced him in this episode by just replaying a memory of hers, uh, but no, they don't do that. Um, yeah. Uh, so after like after all this, uh, O'Neill says, "Yeah, I don't give a shit about your people." Um, oh yeah, and then uh, Daniel like starts questioning it why they're even all stuck in here instead of like if they're so bored, just get out there and explore your planet and like live lives. You're you're gonna get on board. You're gonna find stuff to do, and you can bring those memories back in here and do stuff with them, right? That would that would be better than what you're doing, and like you 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 see the the keeper visibly starts sweating and bullshitting right there because he says he says like stage yelling it so that everyone in the audience can hear him clearly. We cannot leave our chambers. The planet is uninhabitable. Um, and like they say, no, it's not. We we came here through the Stargate. We've been outside. It's really nice out there. There's a garden and everything. Like it's a nice sunny day out there. There's there's no there's no 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 threat to anything. Um, and the keeper says, yeah, our planet was destroyed by a chemical accident a thousand years ago because uh, our technology grew too fast. They were like fools with it. And you know, once again, it's 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 not the first time we've seen on Stargate. Uh, like uh, like just last episode, it, the, there was a plague that wiped out humanity because of a war or something. Uh, and like uh, all these examples, every of- planet we've seen with advanced technology has been utterly destroyed. Every human planet has been utterly destroyed by it. Yeah, exactly. There was the Tin Man planet. Even, where... the, Tol- even the Tolinar had messed up their planet by help- by helping another planet right. destroy themselves with technology. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is once once again. Yeah, you mentioned like the Nox maybe were onto something if every like technologically advanced planet that they run into destroys itself somehow. Humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think these people are humans. Uh, it's just they look human. yeah they look human they, it's not meant like uh, the only thing is the keeper says you're an obstinate race which like seems to imply they're different but they just look human and there's no reason for them not to be humans it's just, it's just that the pods are actually keeping them alive for a thousand years and it's not because they're like physiologically different or anything it's just that thing is doing that but um, if, they, if they can't be bothered to give them some prosthetic little weirdness mm-hmm. like- or at least a funny wig. I have to assume they're human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like a yellow blood, which there's a character in season three who looks and acts and is in every way a human, but he has like weird blood. So that to just to establish that he's an alien, it's 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 a strange choice that they made in that one episode. Um, so yeah, uh, so they 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 push back on him for saying that and say, no, the planet is fine. You're full of shit. Uh, and then, like, Onya says, hey, you knew this, didn't you? You're just actually keeping them in here, uh, for your entertainment because you're a, a shitty little shitlord who wants to force everyone to play his fucking campaign and, like, you're a bad designer on top of that. Uh, and they, they would be, le- they would leave if they knew they could. Uh, and, like, the this- keeper gets upset and says, yeah. This is when I figured out that this was just that Star Trek Voyager episode. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, the the one with yeah. So yeah, the episode the thaw you linked it. I, I it's been too long since I've seen it, but in that episode, there's like a a weird clown guy who like gets the Voyager crew in in his little weird games to make them feel emotions because everyone there can feel what they're feeling or something like that. Is that right? Uh, God, what kind of. Uh, basically, it is a similar idea. There's a planet where mm-hmm. everyone has been in VR because there's an apocalypse. Yeah. And the AI run, running it is like... Is he's at, basically the Joker. People are basically... Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of. But everyone in the planet's kind of... Du- it's like basically ended up... Their, their brains have been used up. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all dying. Mm-hmm. And the Voyager, is, the Voyager crew is going to bring more things to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janeway convinces him to let the rest of the crew go, but keeps her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but only leaves like a simulation behind, and that's not enough to sustain him. And it's very dramatic de- death for this weird clown, where it's like he's like scared of dying in the simulation. Janeway's like, yeah, I like, know. I'm scared. He's like, mm-hmm. I know. The, 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 you know, the if, plays. If you've ever seen an SF debris video, oh, it's the end of every Voyager one. That's right, that's Michael McKean, that's uh, yeah. Charlie McGill <laughs> playing that clown in that episode. I forgot he, that was him. Um, I believe he's the incarnation of the VR system in Voyager, that episode. Yeah. And he's designed yes. to walk them through emotions, except he gets corrupted because he catches on very quickly that the highest emotional yeah. state is fear. So right. he, uh, he just murders these people who are trapped in a VR by giving them heart attacks. By not, it is a yeah. terrifying episode. Yeah, it's it's really scary. And like the episode ends with a simulation of Janeway like making the 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 incarnation of fear itself afraid of her. Uh, and like the, the clip where she's like, "I know." Is there was a a video essayist that I, I watched his videos like a while ago, and he covered a whole lot of Star Trek episodes. And he played that clip at the end of each uh, Voyager episode because like his thesis was that Janeway is a psychopath, and like this is like just the one time that Janeway scared fear to death. Death <laughs> because she's so fucking scary. Uh, that was like the, the the thesis of the of that of that whole video series com- commenting on Voyager. Um, anyway, this is Stargate. Uh, so once once the once SG One starts uh, telling spitting too much truth to the keeper's taste, he goes okay bye and like he kind of waves his hand and makes them disappear and wake up from the pods. Uh, uh, yeah, no, first he teleports the audience away from there, which is nice. Uh, it's a nice thing to do to your players, right? Just like, uh, and then like you just vanish from the scene into a void because I don't like where the scene is going. Uh, <laughs> um, and like, yeah, after he does that, like Daniel and Jack go like, oh yeah, that's fair. You just like take them away from us, telling them the truth. Uh, um and then the keeper is like, you know what? Fuck you, actually. I'm just gonna let you out and like leave and go to go back to your planet and don't bother us anymore now. And then like it flashes and they seem to wake up from the pods. Uh, spoiler alert: they're still in the simulation. This is him trying to trick them. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, 
they, they, they wake up and then they go home through the Stargate back to Earth. Uh, and then like they get examined by Janet Fraser and like I'm, I'm somewhat disappointed because the, like we don't get to see the real Dr. Fraser in this episode, only the simulated one. And we know that she can only be created from the minds of Jack and Daniel. I really wish like when she's like speaking medical words at him that she just said some absolute nonsense bullshit and said like the magnets in the pod like scrambled your brain thetans and made them, uh, spin backwards and that caused like your state of confusion right now or whatever because <laughs> that's the that's that's like his perception of what she says that's what it would be <laughs> it did remind me there's an episode of farscape where john Crichton is based mm-hmm. the same thing happens to him effectively yes but it's from an yeah. alien race uh i was really hoping yeah. o'neill would like test general or uh Fraser uh-huh. by asking them a question he could not come up with the answer for like if he quizzed them yeah. on medical <laughs> knowledge yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it, like presumably Daniel pays more attention to words, so like that's where she gets her vo- her vocabulary from. But yeah, it would be very funny if it was this thing and it's like a margaritas with pizzas thing. Like, was like, no one does that. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> um, I mean, Daniel definitely don't has some grasp on medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been repeatedly shown to be the team's default medic when it comes up. Oh yeah, you're right. He does that just like first aid, basically. Uh, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's also not his specialty. So all right, fine. No. It just. It would be funnier if they did it my way. But they're still trying to hide that twist. Maybe that would be too obvious. Um, they, they want to hide it until the until the Kowalski scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like somewhat because like you, you kind of ca- catch on this this isn't a big surprise like I'm pretty much ahead yeah. of them at this point because I know there's 12 minutes left in the episode you you know where this is going this is a double like you're still in the simulation twist like, this is a the, you know keeper, basically a Rick and Morty bit the keepers like mystique falls apart immediately if any of them looked Frazier in the eyes and went tell us the name of the high school you graduated from <laughs> like, <that kind laughs> yeah exactly the keeper cannot answer Right, exactly. Doesn't even. Well, I mean, he would know what high school is based on their brains, but still, yeah. Um, yeah. So they. So we have a debriefing scene now, where it's uh, SG1 with Fraser and Hammond in the in the briefing room talking. Uh, and like, <laughs> like, yeah. They they. So they explain what happened on this planet to them, and like Fraser and Hammond both weirdly start like proselytizing to them in favor of the AI pod, of the VR pods. And like, Fraser's like, wait, from, based on what you told us, it sounds like these things are keeping them alive and making them immortal. They sound pretty cool, medically speaking, wink, wink. Uh, and Hammond is like, you know, like, tactically speaking, since we're, since we're trying to get tech from alien planets, you should go back to this planet and like, investigate these pods more because it sounds like a thing we should use. Uh, and like, like Tilk says, yeah, well, the only way we could even like talk to this guy again would be to get back in, in the pod and like go back in there. And Hammond says, yep, sounds like a great idea to me. You should go back to that planet and like go back to the VR pods for like a, a week, week and see how you like it then. A week. <laughs> and like, uh, he's like, tell you what, if I don't hear back from you in a week, I'll just send SG2 over to, to, to pull you out of there. No, no harm, no foul. It would be fun to do that. And this is 
clearly where like Jack completely loses him and he 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 he, he stops respecting him because he's figured out that that's not the real habit at this point. Uh, this, this is the keeper um, fl- overplaying his hand. I wonder if he simply yeah, said exactly. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what if you just stay like an hour? You just log in for an hour, and well, yeah. uh, well, how about this? We'll send people with you. Fraser can go with you, and she can supervise you. Uh-huh. And, like, it, there's... I, I guess it, the, the Keeper's end game is to get them to voluntarily get back in the, in the simulated machines to make them believe that they're now choosing to be in fantasies instead of just keeping them in the fake SGC where they think they're doing the real Stargate work, right? Uh, even though, like... If they go on Stargate adventures, that would be entertaining for everyone there. Like, if, and if his plan was not to respect their, their, their consent to do that with, he could just keep doing that. But no, he, he really has. Well, I mean, not, he could basically only send them to worlds that they've already been to. Yeah, but still, you know, these people have never seen a ghoul ship, maybe, or whatever. Like, they, that would be fun for a bit for them. But no, they yeah. Say, they would catch on after like a week of, no, you have to go back to this planet. <laughs> So it's weird. The computer just won't dial any new planets you haven't been to before for some reason. Um, this this episode only functions uh, because the keeper is bad at his job and dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like to be fair, like we're not clearly not supposed to respect the keeper because like what Jack does next is get up and starts like pulling Hammond's ears and looking behind them. It's like and Hammond's like, "What are you doing?" And he he says, "Well, I'm looking for the edge of the." edges of the mask because you're the keeper buddy i figured you out uh he like like taps the, the top of his head a little bit to like make more of a clown of it of, of himself of, of hammond to like show that he doesn't believe for a second that this is the real hammond but then the keeper like reacts uh, more or less how hammond would have reacted and goes hey fuck you uh throw these people in the brick for insubordination i guess which like i don't know if he would actually do that but it's like so, some somewhat believable um, oh yeah, also the other thing is he overplays his hand by like ca- calling the people on this planet the residents, which mm. is specifically what the keeper called them, which is uh, like a real specific term that, that SG-1 has probably not even used. Uh, so yeah, this is, this, this is the, like the, the, the jig is up. They, they know, they know what's going on. Um, so yeah, they're, they're put in the brig, uh, with a guard inside the room. And like, there's a, there's a moment where like Teal is like, are you sure this is a simulation? It feels pretty real to me. Like, what if like we just fucked up and it's the real world and now we have to, ex- to, you, we got into more trouble. Uh, um, yeah. And they talk a little bit more. And then like the guard that's in the room with them just turns around and starts talking to them. And now he's Kowalski. So he's, he's like, and now this is like, this is NPC Kowalski. This isn't the keeper. Like he's going to say it uh, specifically. And I have to give props to the actor playing him. Somehow, even though it's 1998, this guy is acting like a video game NPC the way he just like scans the room with his, with his head while he's talking to them. And like he, he seems to be like, to, to be to be having an idle animation while he's talking it's 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 like it, i don't i don't know if that's even intentional but that's what it comes off as it's like a little bit creepy like as this is just like an ai generated deep fake of kowalski so it looks just off enough that you can tell that like there's something fishy with this guy 
anyways, he's trying to convince them that hey, we could have so much fun in the in this world if you just let yourself be entertained by it. You can you can imagine a- any scenario you want. You could you could go on fun adventures with your best friend, me Kowalski. You know Kowalski. Everyone loves me. I'm very funny. Like he turns to Daniel and says, Daniel, you know I'm used to make you laugh, which is like very. I found a fact about Kowalski in Daniel's brain, and now I'm gonna say it to him to convince him. Um, <laughs> uh, also, yeah, this going back to the misogynist thing, like Kowalski turns to Carter and says, "Wouldn't you want to know what it's like to never grow old?" Like, like implying because you're a woman, and you you would say, "Stay pretty," you know. Um, yeah, uh, they they he just keeps like bullshitting him a little bit and and uh, tr- tries to convince him. And like Oni says, "Yeah, well, I know you're not real, and since you're not real, I I don't feel I don't have to feel bad." And ju- he just punches him out, and they come out of the brig, which is apparently unlocked because whatever, it's a simulation. No, they, unlo- they they use his key. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I guess they get the key card from one of the guards. Um, they walk out of there, and the residents are all standing in that hallway. I guess they found their way back here, uh, despite having been tele- teleported away or whatever. Uh, and they're all standing there, and like, uh, a li- li- like they start talking to them, uh, the, and like a couple of ladies at the front uh, take off their veils and just look at them in their faces, and so and say, "Hey, so how about this thing you were talking about before, where you said that you know that that the planet is fine actually? Is that true?" And they say, "Yeah." Yeah, it's true. Like, the, the, get out of here. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess they don't know at this point that these people aren't prisoners and they could just walk out. But, um, they, they go, yeah, no, everything is fine out there. There's a whole garden. Uh, your planet's okay. It's recovered from whatever cataclysm happened to it. So you can, you don't have to stay in here. Uh, like the, the the residents are clearly like a little shocked and like disappointed that the keeper has been lying to them this whole time, which you know, you pick your friends better because this guy could not be a slimier car car salesman if he, he tried to be. Uh, and like then O'Neill has an idea and he says, "All right, you know, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play along with the game just long enough to show it to you to convince you because like so the plan is." We're gonna go in this simulation, go dial the Stargate back to your planet, and then, like, the machine is gonna read in our brains what we remember your planet is looking like, and when we get there, you'll see it, and you'll see that it's fine. So, uh, that's how we'll convince you. Uh, which, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty clever plan right there, but they don't actually even manage to do that. Uh, cause when they get to the gate room, they have Hammond up in the control room, like yelling at them in the, in the PA and saying, Hey, you can't do that. And he shuts off the Stargate and he, then he runs off in kind of a funny way and they run after him. So, uh, clearly. So while he's running, he just morphs back into the keeper and who's running with his hands held, held in front of him, like in the, like his fingers up, like he's like charging a fucking Dragon Ball uh, beam or whatever, um, and they they run after him. Like for some reason, the keeper has to run, I guess, even though this is not the real world, and he could just teleport himself wherever he wants to be. Uh, but no, yeah, they run after him, and the keeper for some reason re- leads them right through the door with the symbol that is on the, that is in the SGC somewhere, which like. Leads into a hallway that opens up back into the greenhouse where the pods are, which is like a, a pretty fun, like, dream effect where, like, a location just turns into a different location. Um, and they, they see themselves in the pods as they walk out of that hallway. 
Uh, and then, like, we just, like, the, the, the perspective of the camera shifts, and the, the, they wake up from the pods, and they get out of them. Uh, and I definitely thought we were going to have one more layer, but <laughs> not. Yeah. That's the end of it. five minutes. L- like I said, if this was Rick and Morty, like, they would wake up from the pods, and then, like, an alien would, would burst out of, of someone's chest, and they would start shooting each other with lasers, and then, like, there would be something stupid that would happen, and someone would make out with someone, and then they would, like, wake up again. Uh, but no, this is Stargate. This is the last four minutes of a Stargate episode, so none of that happens. They wake up, and they see the Keeper was, again... Uh, like running away through a through a door, the door that they entered this place from, because he's running out there, I, <laughs> and they catch up to him. I guess he was going for the Stargate. He was trying to escape to a different planet or something. But yeah, no, they just catch up to him, and 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 he says like, "Oh, please forgive me for doing that. Whatever. I just wanted them. I just wanted the residents to not be bored so much anymore." Um, and then they go, "Wait, so yeah." Y- if you can come out of this thing anytime you want, how long have you been coming out? Because clearly someone's been upkeeping this garden. It's been you, hasn't it? And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, I've been coming out for a really long time to upkeep this place. And I just like to keep it nice. Uh, and then, like, they ask him, well, okay, well, how about you just let everyone out and, and like, just, like, share it with them? And, like, the, the keeper is like, no, I don't want them to come out because, like, the, the people suck. Like, they, they're just going to wreck my garden. And the, 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 they're the people that, like, destroyed the planet in the first place. I don't, I don't want it to happen again. And it's my garden. It's going to be my own private reality while everyone else is stuck in my VR hell that I've made for them. Um, but yeah, but then he says like, yeah, well, anyway, it's, it's not like it matters. You've told them the, the, the planet's fine and they can just walk out anyway. And they go, wait, they can just walk out? And he says, yeah, well, that door you walked through is the exit to the game. Anyone could have walked out of there anytime. You see, you weren't prisoners any, at any point. I'm a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. It's fine. Everything's fine, actually. And like, they've only does, someone does point out, uh, yeah, well, you know, it's not much, uh, it, it, it raises some question about consent if we don't even know that it's possible to exit this thing like no one explained that to us dick um anyway yeah um so yeah the 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 keeper is like oh no now everyone knows everything is fine and they can just come out of of the game and they're gonna ruin everything and like we see the residents just uh, are starting to spread around the the, the 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 garden and like look around and stuff and the keeper is like oh no and then like uh, uh, yeah it's like there's like two dozen yeah. of them at yeah it's, it's gonna be a long time before they can climb yeah. the king's this planet to get dude just chill out this is a like this is a post-apocalyptic planet where most of the people on the planet have died a thousand years ago there's like only a pocket of survivors left anyway uh and like also the vr machines are keeping can keep them like alive indefinitely so it's not like they're never gonna go back in there if they don't want to like die of of whatever they just have a whole planet they can explore now and like bring new bring new experiences from and make better vr games from um we get a shot of daniel dialing the stargate and we see for one rare time on the DHD, they actually replaced the point of origin, origin symbol. And it's that tornado symbol that we saw before that, that he presses to turn on the Stargate. Uh, so, like, nice nice attention to detail that, that they don't often do. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the woman that they talk to inside the simulation is there. And they talk to her a little bit. And they say, yeah, well, this planet is, you know... 
you just came out of there, but it's not easy to just start over from nothing on a planet you haven't been on in a thousand years. So good luck with that, but we're going to help you and send, and send you some stuff. Uh, spoiler alert. Earth is going to get at least one of those VR pods back in the, in that deal. It's going to go in storage and not be used again until season eight, but it, they're going to have one at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's a thing that happens. Uh, and then like the first time they have actually managed to get something. Yeah. It's not going to come up for right. six seasons. They, they just going to mothball it and then not think about it forever now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, they, but they can put that on the balance sheet and say, we got a thing. And anyways, ever since they saved the Earth from the from Apophis's invasion, the SGC is apparently the, def- the Defense Department's darling and whatever. They have all the budget they want. Like, no one is giving them shit for it any- anymore. The, the um, immediate uh, practicality of that device is they could perform training for anything, effectively. Uh, yeah, they can do they can do that. And I feel like like it they really gloss over how it's an immortality machine, though. Like... <laughs> You could be in there. It's an immortality machine, but you are limited to being within. Right, but you know, just put a game designer in there to make a cool VR game and have someone. You know, there's there's a million different cool applications for this thing that we're not not going to think about for six years. Um, Yeah, but they're like the writers are going to eventually remember remember these things exist and make another episode that uses them. So that that's something anyway. so yeah, we get a, 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 a nice last little joke where the keeper comes out and starts yelling at everyone because we see some people are picking the flowers and he's really upset that they're ruining his garden. And I guess everyone is like, so do we think it's we're in the real reality now or is this another trick? And like they see that the keeper is yelling at being really upset and they go, oh, this must be reality because he's because he hates it. Ha ha, fuck you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then they just leave. And that's the end of this episode. All right, that was The Gamekeeper. The next episode is called Need. Uh, we're going to get to it in a little bit. There's not going to be a regular episode next week. Uh, I, I'll have more news uh, on that. Probably on the Twitter uh, as we figure out uh, how, we, how we move forward. But I won't be able to record a week from now. But uh, it's fine. We'll We'll get back to it. Uh, with the third uh, planet of the week in a, in a row before we get back to story arcs. Uh, questions. You can follow our our Twitter at, at JaffaTakes and see the questions post uh, that I make on the day we record. Uh, though we didn't get any questions from there, you can also send us emails to JaffaTakesPodcast at gmail.com uh, or you can check out uh, the Discord on the Audio Entropy Discord. The channel that we have is... Uh, linked in the description and i'll usually uh, make a call for people to ask questions there and we did get some questions this week four of them actually on now before we start those we should do the v- we should do our VH- the vhs video. yes okay yeah let, let's do the vhs first uh desert island you have five vhs movies um do they have to be movies that were actually actually ever released yeah that's, that's yeah i guess i guess you could you, you, it doesn't have to. It's just like the parameters of what Daniel said was specifically about tapes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I feel like I shouldn't have like a, a trilogy or anything because that takes up too many spots. And like, if I only had Lord of the Rings or whatever, that would like I would be sad that there's not enough variety. So uh, let's say mine would pre. I, I would probably take like Home Alone 
because that was a tape I watched over and over and over again as a child, and it's it's really comfort food ish to me. Uh, I would probably take Back to the Future one. Um, I don't know. That's that's two. Let me think. If 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 you have yours uh, prepared or you know already, you can you can fill in the silence while I think about it. Um, um I gotta say, um, the one that like could be out of VHS, but I don't think it ever was released. The one I was on Fury Road. Mm-hmm, yeah, this is it. Pretty much an infinitely rewatchable yeah. movie. Um, I, I I have well, my five. I can go while you. Oh, guys go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, say your five, please. No, you got your five. Uh, so I would bring Ben Hur. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a that's a beefy movie. That's a big long yeah, beefy yeah, movie. Yeah. That's a good plan. Uh, yeah, a long one is good. Yeah, it's a drama. It's technically a sports movie somehow. It's got mm-hmm. a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bugs Bunny slash Roadrunner movie from the seventies. Oh, oh, that's a good okay. one. Okay, all right. Uh, which is just an anthology of Looney Tunes and uh, with the musical melody uh, mm-hmm. shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it functions well as like a cartoon anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casablanca, because it's the best movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dark Crystal, uh, it's it's genre picture with move uh, Muppets. It's a good mm-hmm. old like weird movie. Uh, Earth, which is like the truncated version of Planet Earth that they released as a movie. Okay. Uh, and then Jet Li's Hero. All right, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good pitch. All right, I, I think I got mine. So I, I've already said Home Alone and Back to the Future. Uh, I'm, I'm also gonna take uh, Aladdin, I guess, because it's a, it's a like the original '90s cartoon. It's a real, uh, it's, it's another one of those that is very dear to my heart. Um, <clears throat> I fuck, I forgot what one of them. But I cast away is one I would probably take because I'm stuck <laughs> on a deserted island. Seems practical to have that. Uh, I, yeah, oh yeah, sorry. My, my fifth is The Matrix, I guess. I was just thinking of the tapes I, I watched over and over again. The, these are probably my uh, comfort ones and also a joke answer because it's fun. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I already said Fury mm-hmm. Road. Uh, I'm also saying The, Ma- saying the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Had that one picked. Um, Mulan. And um, one VHS, one mm-hmm. one brand of Doctor Who VHS I had as a kid that had a serial where he where he had fight stop motion dinosaurs. Nice, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Is that five? Oh, you have and one more, right? That's four. I got one more. Um. I think I'm going to think of the next one's going to be Jurassic. It's just Jurassic Park. Yeah. The two dinosaur things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Jurassic Park was another tape I watched to uh, Destruction when I was a kid. Uh, for sure, that's a good pick. Um, all right, we got, we have... See, the tape that I watched Destruction as a kid is the TMNT movie, and I don't know how <laughs> well that would hold up for it. Yeah. Uh, TMNT1 is great. I, w- I would have that. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, repeated I, as an adult. I don't know if I would want to watch it. You know, every day, forever. Uh, 
Um, all right. Uh, questions on Discord. Binford Tools Dealer asks, how many spoons and or glitchy cats are there uh, in this episode? I presume. I don't think there's like no. There's definitely no cats. Uh, there's no, no, there no. There's no cats. They're not eating anything. So there's no. There's spoons no spoons. No spoons or cats. No Matrix didn't exist to make jokes about it yet. Yeah. So. So sorry, none of that is in there. <laughs> uh, Lambda asks, how can one be certain you're not trapped in a simulation? Uh, in general, it's one of those unfalsifiable questions, so there's no way to be actually sure. Uh, a good way to be certain, though, is that it, if we were trapped in a simulation, it would be a dumb, uh, forever, like, nesting, recursive thing. Uh, and, like, that seems way dumber than just assuming that we're in reality. Like, because if we're in a simulation... You... Yeah? Oh, you can continue. Yeah, if we're in a simulation, we could be in a simulation in a simulation. And I know that's literally the opposite of the argument that people say in favor of being in a simulation. Because people say, well, if there's an infinite number of simulations within... of nesting simulations that are possible, it's more probable that we're in one of those rather than reality. I go the other way and say, if there can be nesting simulations, that sounds too dumb to be true, so we're in reality. Uh... Fuck you, Elon Musk, uh, or whoever's saying that, I guess. <laughs> you you should at least feel confident that you are not in a, uh, a simulation that you are generating on your own. Yeah. Because yes. while the mind is a, a limitless generator of content, mm -hmm. uh, you are too dumb to have created yes. everything in the world. Your, your oh. brain is not smart enough to have come Listen. up with Mandarin and quantum physics. Exactly. What's what's uh, what's Dan Olson's video about NFTs and try to think, imagine you're the one who, your brain made all of that up? Impossible. Your brain can pos cannot possibly be dumb enough to come up with all of that on its own. Clearly, this is reality. Uh, <laughs> it's I mean, in the like, world. If, if an alien made the simulation, the alien could pull that. But if it's you yeah. generating it, no, you, you are yeah. not smart enough to have created I mean, everything. I always thought yeah. that the the whole idea of the simulation various people was that they believe that everyone is like yes they believe some people aren't real people yes. but there definitely is not just them with it yeah which just makes it anyway makes it even more meaningless because if if yeah. everyone is a real agent with agency and also in the same shared simulation <laughs> why does it matter if this is not reality yeah exactly yes you um, you've described a shared reality we're just back yeah. to the state of yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Came Insider asks, what's wrong with being trapped in a simulation? Well, I feel like we just got to that point. Like, if, if a simulation is realistic enough that everyone is in it and it's indistinguishable from reality, there's nothing wrong with being in it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, nothing technically wrong with being in a simulation unless there's an asshole like the gamekeeper. Yes, exactly. The what's wrong is Which, you know, you're being made you know, to maybe. relive your the most traumatic moments of your life for other people's entertainment. Oh yeah, there's there's a whole angle, like a whole like modern YouTube angle to this episode that we didn't really talk about, where you know the trauma as content is is, is feels more relevant to real life today than it did back in 98 maybe like yeah that's definitely that that's definitely a valid reading uh -huh. definitely not anything they were considering no for sure not but like you can almost see the keeper as a mr beast kind of guy where he's like monetizing this shit and even though he's making people suffer while doing it that's like a, it's an interesting lens to look at this through but it's completely uh coincidental because that wasn't what people were thinking about when they wrote this episode um uh, all right, last question from Goose. 
So you're in the MGM casting department and your sci-fi show wrote an episode about going into a digital universe. Why cast an actor whose iconic role was about wanting to fuck holograms? I say why not cast that guy is the main thing. I feel I feel like they wrote an episode about being trapped in, in a simulation and then they went, hey, we should get the Star Trek guy who's mostly known for a weird holo- a, a weird VR thing on Star Trek. That would be a fun I- crossover to have. I'm gonna challenge that he is not most well known for uh, his Star Trek appearances. He's a he's a full cast member of the A Team. Yeah, he was on the A Team. That's the other <laughs> thing. Like when when you look yeah, at his the biography, A-team. they mentioned the A Team before Star Trek for sure. Um. <laughs> yeah, and and you know I also gonna go in on the no nerds love that shit. Uh-huh. They per- <laughs> They think it's very funny that he's Barclay. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was the whole point. And like Stargate writers or casting departments or whatever are definitely nerds. So they, they, they went for that angle, like, like intentionally. The, the same way they cast like a, a forest hippie as the guy who played an ultra capitalist on DS9 in, the, in season one. That's just like a private sci-fi joke, I guess. Uh, they, they're, they're gonna keep doing that. Like in season six, they have, uh, the guy who played Flocks on Enterprise shows up for a guest spot, and like his character on Stargate is a Trekkie, and he keeps defending Star Trek. That's that's the whole joke there. Like they they do that on purpose. That's the idea. Uh, <laughs> like they, they they can't stop making MacGyver jokes at Richard D. Exactly. Anderson. Yeah, it's all intentional. He is increasing. He he always looks increasingly annoyed at them since the first episode. Like you should like I'm I'm almost surprised there aren't more Twenty One Jump Street jokes on Stargate, considering Peter DeLuise is one of the creative heads of Stargate, and he was one of the stars on that show. So yeah, and he makes frequent cameos. We're gonna start seeing pretty soon. Um, yeah, so that was it for questions. I've already mentioned all the ways you can ask us. You can ask us questions and like just just keep up with us, and it'll be fun. Uh, you can also follow my personal Twitter at the real Simben. M, where could people reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M of Healy. All right, uh, uh, Jimmy Dean. Any? I don't got much. Sorry. <laughs> it's like I don't. I don't got much. Else yeah, going on yeah, right yeah. Now. No, no worries about it. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, it's February. No, no one should have anything going on. Uh, Jimmy Dean, any TV shows you want to recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep beating the drum for The Good Wife. Uh, uh-huh. I, I actually took a break from it this weekend because the last episodes that I watched, uh, I was so overcome with grief, I thought I was going to vomit. And then Ooh. I cried. And then I went to bed oh, and God. I cried some more. So I needed, uh, I needed a counter-programming for the weekend. Oh yeah, I get it. You you need something upbeat somehow sometimes. Uh, uh yeah. That's my my counter programming is the fifth season of Friends, by the way. Yeah. Okay, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, feel good show with no drama whatsoever. That's what yes. you want. Uh but yes, uh The Good Wife continues to be perfect television. All right. Good good recommendations there. All right, that's it for this week, everyone. See us see you for need or maybe a bonus episode before need, but see you then on Cree. 